Welcome to the following films podcast. I'm Chris Maynard, your host. Today I had the chance to sit down with Christopher Goldbrinson, director of the documentary film A Storm Foretold. A Storm Foretold is centered on Roger Stone. With a colossal cigar dangling from the corner of his mouth, a libation in hand, and an unmistakable disdain for his political adversaries, Roger Stone emerges as the quintessential ally to Donald Trump. Revered as a right-wing power broker, Stone's influential journey traces back to the era of President Nixon, a legacy inked onto his own back. And if you haven't seen it, do a Google search for Roger Stone Nixon tattoo. It's, It's a sight to behold. It's a film marked by unparalleled access. It captures the tumultuous final months of the Trump administration, centering on the heart of power and climaxing with the unprecedented storming of Congress. Our director and occasional voice of reason finds himself amidst the chaos of Trump supporters while they converge on Washington, witnessing firsthand Roger Stone's strategic retreat from his hotel suite as Stop the Steal spirals into a riot. A Storm Foretold unfolds the narrative of a once-established political party metamorphosizing into an anti-democratic movement where impassioned rhetoric evolves into tangible violence. But before our conversation with Christopher, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's, an independent bookstore that believes in the magic of storytelling and the cinematic arts. If you're looking to expand your collection of films, music, or books, visit your nearest Bookman's and discover something truly wonderful. If you haven't already, please follow the following films podcast on Spotify to show your support. Help us to continue to bring you in-depth conversations with the talented individuals who shape the world of cinema. A Storm Foretold is in theaters today, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Christopher, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the interest. (laughs) I was, this was a tough one for me. Because when I hear the idea, just with my particular political leanings of spending an hour and a half with Roger Stone, that's not an appealing proposition. Um, but this is a movie that's entertaining as hell. Um, that I actually, if I divorce myself from politics, I actually got a really, I enjoyed the guy in a lot of ways, which sounds really horrible to say, all things considered, considering the things that he was involved with, the damage that he's done to this country and to the world at large. But there is something that's weirdly charming about this outlandish man. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that idea of balancing the politics with the humanity of the story? Yes. I, it is, you know, I, I, it's like a, a gummy bear vitamin pill. Uh, it's a. The ambition with the film is, well, I think it's. I would say I. I would normally no, normally not say this about any film, and preferably not about one of my own, because it indicates that they're very boring. But I think it's a very important film. Yes. Uh, and and I think it's important, especially in the sense that it insists on the conversation with people that you disagree strongly with, which I, I think is, I mean, which I think is our time's biggest challenge uh, and, and which plays into why I made the film at all, because, you know, this environment the whole world is in 
this technological environment where the loudest liar wins hmm. is to me in, incredibly interesting and how and and that was when uh, yeah I'm digressing that was what I started out doing and then I kind of stumbled across Roger Stone I didn't set out to make a film about Roger Stone I was doing I was investigating a number of stories and he was part of one of those uh, stories regarding these entirely false narratives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I stumbled across, I did an interview and I just didn't stop filming. I went on this two year roller coaster ride. Well, I think that while making a film that is focused on Roger, it's not about Roger, um, especially when you get to the ending of the film, that, that, that is really the, my takeaway from this was that idea of what you were talking about. It's the, when you see a man that's all all surface level, it's all this bluster, it's all these big things that are being said, and it's easy to push against that. But then you see this was a man that was hurt. His feelings get hurt in the end of this, and that it's just something, there's a humanity there that you can kind of extrapolate that out to other people. And you can see, I think, see a way to engage with people that perhaps you do find their ideas dangerous things that you that there was something that happened along the way that caused them to latch on to these ideas or to these things or these you know figureheads and i i think that it's a it is an important movie because we need to learn how to talk to one another and engage with each other and you know there's this rule that i heard that you need to ask three questions before you state your opinion about everything and i, I think this I does wish a good I could job learn that. <laughs> So could you talk a little bit about um, finding the story along the way? As you were saying, you this isn't what you set out to make. Did you? When did you have an idea of what this story was becoming? Well, well, to be honest, not really until until after everything was shot. Hmm. I was taking a back of what happened on January six, and uh, even though. They had threatened with this. The rhetoric had all pointed in this direction. It was just to me. It was, you know, I'm, I am primarily an observer. I'm, I'm, I'm an outside observer. And growing up during the Cold War, seeing America as this fall, its flaws and shortcomings, a bastion of stability in the world, it was just, it was such a. A, a contrast to what I experienced. So I didn't see it coming at all. So, so it was. I I, I met Roger Stone back in October nineteen. He was a little bit shaken. Paul Manafort, his former business partner and Trump's campaign manager in the sixteen campaign, right. had just been sentenced. I think his sentence was accumulated. It was like seven and a half years in prison. Mm -hmm the media waves were dense with speculation that stone would be next. So that was what I jumped in. And then three months after we first met, he was arrested. And, and it, yeah, so, so it was just, it was one thing after he was arrested. Then he very aggressively went after the presiding judge and, and, and president Trump as well was pressuring the, the, both the prosecutor, the, 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 Justice Department and uh, and the courts. I mean, the, so in the, that was where it began to take shape that you saw a sitting president, you know, with this constitutionally, you know, starting to 
pressure these, you know, the, the, the divisions of power leaning into the, I mean, it was very eerie already then. Uh, and, and our filming was very complicated as well. Stone got one gag order after the other. And the last one he got for posting a picture with a crosshairs with the judge. Yeah. He was completely barred from doing anything. And yet he continued to film with us, which was, of course, a filmmaker's dream, but also a very weird environment to be in. If one frame leaked from our footage, he would have to go to prison until the trial. So then that ran up. Then he orchestrated his own partner, his presidential partner. He was partner. And as soon as he got out of that, he started on Stop the Steal. And, you know, it just went on and on and on. So it was a very moving target. Oh, yeah. And at some point, you decided to incorporate yourself into the narrative, which is something that's a gamble, um, because I've seen lots of films that that doesn't go well when the documentarian is a part of the story they're telling. Um, but I think it's actually really important here, uh, because that for some of us that are watching this, you end up becoming the voice of the audience in some way as an observer. And another, for some people, they, it might be the voice of the opposition. And I think that that does create a balance here that is really necessary in a story like this. Oh, that's a very good point. We, I struggled a lot with that. We had this. Uh, we had a consultant on a, a brilliant Danish editor who's who's edited some of our most wonderful fiction films, and he's. He, we discussed that we needed some moral clarity and I needed to be the moral voice. And I, I didn't feel comfortable about that. And it was a very, it was very, very difficult. And I, I traditionally, in the most of the films I have done, I have not, I have been very, very withheld. Uh, but I, one of the biggest uh, challenges we had was, was thinking about, we had this material where, as this situation, after filming for a year, Stone turns up with another documentary crew. Right. And he has sold the rights exclusively to this crew to basically make the same film as I've been making for a year. Which is like, when you do observational film, it's a catastrophe because you cannot replace the character. Uh, and I then, and as it is with life, one, one disaster that doesn't come alone. So I returned to Denmark and the funding crumbled. And and I then had to return and try to convince Stone. And then on the evening where I was supposed to fly back, I went to the gym. I was actually on the phone talking to some possible funding on my headphones in the gym. And then I had a cardiac arrest. And, and Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So the last time I went into Bookman's, I went straight over to the movie section as I often do. And I was so excited because one of my favorite things that happens when I go in there, I'm looking for a movie and I don't know exactly what I want to see, something I've been meaning to see and there's a blind spot. And when I saw East of Eden, I was super excited because it's a movie I've been wanting to see for years but for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. So the film adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden, it's a powerful cinematic achievement. I, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but it absolutely does justice to the novels 
at what can only be described as profound themes and the complex characters. It's directed by uh, Kazan and features outstanding performances uh, from the whole cast, but mainly here by James Dean as uh, Cal Trask. The film captures the essence of the book while adding its own visual and emotional dimension. Uh, the cinematography, which looks absolutely incredible in 4K, captures the rugged beauty of the California landscape. So it sets the stage for this intense family drama that unfolds throughout the film. And the screenplay manages to condense this complex novel that is East of Eden without feeling truncated. It makes this really intricate plot, takes that and then just condenses it down and really only gets the essential elements of it. And all the themes are still intact with love, jealousy, and the struggle between good and evil. That's all there. And it doesn't feel like a lesser than. It feels like a compliment to. Um, if you've read East of Eden and haven't seen the film, definitely catch up on it. Highly recommend it. If you've only seen the film and haven't read the book, definitely check out the book as well. It's worth your time. Uh, but in the movie, James Dean's portrayal of the troubled cow, it's nothing short of iconic. Uh, it showcases his raw talent and charisma. The supporting cast is also incredible, especially Julie Harris, I think does an equally compelling job here um, with just an outstanding performance. And there's a depth and authenticity to these characters that wasn't very common for this time. So it's something pretty remarkable here. Uh, East of Eden, it's absolutely a classic that continues to resonate uh, to this day, still holds up. Um, I think that's mainly because of its exploration of human nature and the complexity of family dynamics. It's a timeless masterpiece that deserves a place in the annals of cinematic history. And I think it's there. It just took me a long time to catch up with it. Uh, this is a must watch for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional performances. So remember, next time you go to Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. I almost said, fortunately, it was filmed, <laughs> but no, it was captured on the Swain's footage. There's a, a, a heart surgeon working out next to me who saved my life. And of course, this was, we had this whole process. And then we had a scene before this where, where he doesn't even have the balls to tell me that he's yeah. me. He leaves it to his assistant. And then I tried to it's a very awkward situation. And I try to release the tension by joking and saying that it's Roger Stone. And she says, it's, it's, this is, it's my, it's this or death. And then, and she jokes, Roger Stone or dies, the Roger Stone and die. And then a couple of weeks goes and then I die. So in that sense, it's of course a gift from the documentary gods uh, in a, in a narrow perspective. But it, it it's it's a it's a it's also a very intimate situation. I, I can tell you it's I don't know if you but it's 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 I don't think anything parallels in intimacy than seeing yourself on the big screen dying. There's so, a vulnerability. I, I mean, I have I have I couldn't no I could not imagine. I'm so. a very private person, so that was a big step to take. Uh, but we ended up using it because, as I'm sure you noticed, Roger Stone revels in his own cynicism. Yes. And he comes across as, you know, 
like a duck where the water doesn't uh, get him wet. I don't know the English expression. No, no, I get it. That, yeah, it right. just rolls off his back. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the only this is the only storyline in our records where his cynicism cracks and he shows empathy and he becomes a human. That's where, aside from when when he when he feels betrayed at, at the end. So that was very central to establishing that relationship in a storytelling uh, sense. Uh, and that's why we put it in. But I was, it was a very, very difficult balancing act for my character and my my narration. I really wanted to withhold as much as possible and leave it out. Because again, we live in a time where people opinionate and uh, too, and editorialize a bit too much. It, it, it becomes, instead of being art, it becomes strategic communication in a lot of ways and documentaries. So I was really reluctant to, to go down that path. So that was the balancing act to have a like a moral compass, but without becoming didactic. It's something that's really tough to put something like that in, but it does absolutely. As an audience member that's watching this that has that I walk into this with preconceived ideas about this man. And it was that text exchange between you and Roger that really helped change my opinion of him. At least, you know, it moved slightly, you know, this is a large boulder that's in place of an idea of this man that I hold on to, but that cracked away at that. And it showed humanity in there that I've never seen before. Cause he's this larger than life, absurd character with giant cigars and, you know, a cocktail in one hand and a, flashy suit a nixon tattoo on his back he's just a he's a cartoon character in a lot of ways and so it was always hard to take him seriously um but i think that that moment is what really and your vulnerability and allowing that moment to really breathe is what gives this the emotional resonance that it really has in the end thanks that's great to <laughs> but it is it, it that there is, I mean, in, this is only meant in a storytelling sense. But you know, you, on these type of stories, you, you 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 hunt a beast, you capture a human. I'm sure that's another. It's a direct. Sure. Story. Yeah. No, and it's um, it's something that I think this is a rare political film that I think, no matter what your ideas are going into this, that you'll get something out of this. Um, this is something that I think that people that maybe whatever your thoughts are on January 6th, that you could watch something like this, your film specifically, and get something out of it, a deeper understanding of it, of where it came from, of this idea. And, you know, when you see Roger Stone's reaction to that day in the moment, I think that's just really telling of how far out of hand this got and what the reality of it was and you know where we are now i think living in that moment is really important to have that documented and this is something that while many years from now when we look back at this roger stone might just be a footnote i i think that it's important to recognize how important and instrumental he was to all those events that happened that day and what we're still living through today on you know january 4th just a few years later we're almost on the anniversary so um I know we're almost out of time, but I just real quickly, um, what was it like in Washington that day? Cause from, you know, I'm 2000 miles away and that was just one of the scariest moments I've had in this country where just seeing that you're right, that foundation crack that I had just taken for granted my entire life. 
it's actually difficult to 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 articulate but it i was both in stone's room at the hotel and then i went to to the capital well well for me it was uh I feel it was a light bulb moment. That was that is how I, and that's a very deep emotional connection I have to that day. That it is one of those moments, those rare moments in history, where one era begins and ends, and a new begins, like the fall of the Berlin Wall, or yeah. what. And and it's where for me it was extremely emotional to see. I was right. There's a situation which is in the film that I filmed where they attacked the the journalists outside the capital yep. very violently and destroy their their equipment but it's 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 more the the symbolism of what's going on with this with i mean with this bastion of democracy at, 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 as the background and then the traditional role of reporters as flawed as that is as well and then you have supporters of the sitting president attacking them to silence them, which in their historical role has been to hold politicians and people in power responsible and to represent the people. I mean, it, it, it's, it was, in that sense, a collapse, I think. And then it also had, which historically has always been connected to revolutions and overthrows of government, that very uncomfortable combination of... Uh, a barbecue and a and a, a big festival event and yeah. a sports event and the rowdy, brutal, stupid, in all directions, unreflected, but pushed from people pulling the strings from us. It had that very eerie, ominous vibe to it. Even you know people sitting in their camping equipment and you know laughing and it, it was just it was it it was very very uncomfortable and you know i think every i think every part of us being humans is that that we can be in a situation and our gut our instinct and intuition tells us this is a wrong place this is a bad situation i had that sense profoundly i i could only imagine to have been there because yeah from a from a distance, it, it had that feeling of thousands of miles away, just watching clips on TV. So to have actually lived through that, that's uh, that's why films like yours are so important because we can't allow the narrative that has crept up in the last you know couple of years of what happened that day. Um, we the more days we get away from it, the more days that people's interpretation of it becomes the reality of it instead of what actually happened. And we we need to as many films like this, as many documents, hard pieces of evidence that we have of what happened that day as we can have. So thank you. This is um, a really rare film that I think manages to, like you said, be important, but is still entertaining as hell. Um, that this is something that this is a, this is a pill that goes down easy. So this is something that it's medicine. That's not going to make you sick. So congratulations on that, man. This is a hell of a film you got here. Thanks a lot. Thank you. It's great to meet you. Take care. Good you. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope. So I fall one more time. 
voice crack.